Well, I would love to say good afternoon, but I don't know when you're listening to this. Like it's afternoon for us uh, here on the Yamcast. But uh, yeah, it's not maybe afternoon for you. Anyway, my name is Chris. And my name is Erica. And we uh, like making this podcast for various reasons. One of the main ones is we like talking to young adults and college students and college leaders and stuff like that and walking through God's word, don't we? We do. We really do. And if you also enjoy that or you find yourself as a young adult and you have things that you would like us to know, content you want us to go over, questions, whatnot, find us on the socials at the Yamcast or email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. Pros. We're getting it in there. I say pros, but uh, I actually try to keep it as amateurish as possible if you haven't noticed. You did notice. I, I mean, really think Erica just puts up with me, <laughs> which also makes my day. It's all worth it. I it's think, but I think you do it, it on purpose so I do. that we have to put up with you. No, clearly. That's and you enjoy it. Part of my life's goal is to mm-hmm. annoy people. And I'm Well, pretty, you're doing a good job. Pretty darn effective. <laughs> all right, well, read through. Should we start with <gasps> the read through? Yeah, man, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm really about done with this pregnancy, can I just say? Nobody else knew. <laughs> We've not, uh, Golly. we haven't told anybody on the podcast, have we? I mean, that if you're having a baby. If, if, yeah, if you're around, that's you how know. she breaks the news. I can't breathe because of this can't. pregnancy. Oh, I was interviewed yesterday. Um, this college student is doing a psych yeah. class, and so she had to interview somebody who was pregnant. Yeah, and which is interesting because she was, she just had a baby a couple. Months ago. But, so she asked a few questions, and one of them was like, what's your least favorite part about being pregnant? And I was like, not being able to breathe. You just can't catch yeah. your breath. You don't get full lung capacity. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's probably one of my least favorite parts. Anyways. Yeah, so Erica's pregnant. So I'm ready for the baby to drop. You so know, that honestly, my lungs can expand fully. this summer when I was on sabbatical, I kind of expected you to do an, an announcement, one of the monthly fives or something. Be like, hey. And it never came. Because I didn't even share on social media for a long time. I know. So that's why I figured you were I mean, waiting. It took, I probably wasn't for like five months. But yeah, so not only is Erica going to have a baby, er- Erica's going to have a baby soon. Yeah. Like she's very close. Yeah, less than a month. I mean... Who knows sure. what the timing is. Really, it could be any day. I mean, Lord willing. No. And then little baby. We've got lots to do. Little baby green will make the appearance. Somebody was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier, calling it green bean. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Little green <laughs> that is, bean. That is cute. I mean, we won't use that, but that is cute. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, we're never going to use that. But I mean, it's good it's really, for you. But it's a really cute idea. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, so, segue into Hosea. So the Yam, yeah, the Yamcast <laughs> family is growing. That's that's basically what I'm hearing. So, <sighs> yep. Really, it, yeah. You've gotten married since we started this, mm-hmm. and you've had a baby since we started this thing. All the life crazy. experiences, crazy. Look at you growing up. <laughs> all right, all that to say, yeah, it's time for the read through Hosea eight. And the reason why we had that little segue there is because that's the most exciting part of the entire podcast because the rest of it is pretty depressing. Because Hosea, Hosea is not super uplifting. No, it's you hard. Know? It's hard to uh, really get good stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly helpful, but it's it's sad. 
With that said, here comes the read-through, starting with verse 1 of Hosea chapter 8. But the trumpet to your lips! Exclamation point. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, Our God, we acknowledge you. But Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. So as we talked about, this is, you know, getting more and more uplifting. Not at all. Not so Um, much. But what stuck out to me in this was the whole difference between your words and your actions, right? So, yes, they are like, oh, God, we know who you are. We acknowledge you. But, like, our actions do not reveal that at all, right? Like, we don't come to you for guidance or direction. We choose our own leaders based on how we want to choose them. We're not going to you to to pick godly leaders, like good leaders even. So, um, but yeah, that just really stood out to me that they know God, but it's like, but they've rejected all that is good, which is in essence means they're rejecting God. Right. Do you, when you read that or you think about that, does that feel or sound like today? Oh, golly. I mean, I was just thinking that. Totally. That everybody's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I believe there's a God, but it does nothing. I don't live as if Mm -hmm. and I mean I think a lot of it is they don't actually know who this God is right they just believe there is like this higher power as they might call it because if you actually knew this God I don't know if you could just live as if you didn't right I mean you could still reject him but it changes for the good or, I mean, for choosing him or for not choosing him, you know, like it changes how you live based on if you actually know him. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people don't, to be honest. Yeah. Now, it reminds me of two books that you might want to pick up, listener. If you if you think about this and you go, man, I do feel like our culture is just not lining up the way it should. Uh, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller is phenomenal in just sort of setting up how our culture has built gods to like you know, be something and then we get into them and we realize they're nothing compared to what they were. So, you know, sex, power, money, that kind of stuff. We, we chase after things. And I don't know about you listener, but when we get, when you get into something like that, typically what ends up happening is you, you start to realize that it's not what you thought it was going to be. And the further you get into it, the more you loathe yourself, but you're also like enjoying which, whatever you're experiencing. Or I'm too far in. Totally. And this, that book is helpful in that regard. The other one is uh, Christian Atheist. Um, and the name of who wrote that just escaped me. I will is look it, it up. Craig? I think it is Craig or Craig, Yeah. I, I didn't want to give him credit if it wasn't him. Because I think I have that book. The Christian Atheist. And, the yeah, The Christian Atheist by Craig or Shell. And the, the thing about that one is really helpful because it talks about our culture in the church even and how our church culture sort of acts like we've got it all going on. But really, we're acting like atheists the rest of the week. We, we just kind of show up on Sunday, or we claim that we love God, but we have no real. And so when I read these four verses, those were the first two books that popped in my head of just like, yeah, that's basically the culture we live in, right? This idea. Uh, really quick, in, a, in sort of a weird way, 
there's a huge translation issue with verse one. Okay. And I don't know how nerdy people want us to get here, but I'll just say the the first verse there, it starts with put the trumpet to your lips. The thing is within Hebrew, by changing just a couple of letters, you can make things Completely totally different. different. And so what some believe is that there's a scribal error there. And another way to read this uh, would be God, something like a young lion. And then the next line Yahweh, like an eagle, mm. watches over. And so some think that that's probably a better translation. And all it would be was a moving of one letter and then another letter that got miswritten. You know, mm-hmm. like the C's and the D's look really close in Hebrew. And just a simple thing like that would change it uh, to be this. Because the first phrase there, put the trumpet to your lips, makes it sound like somebody needs to proclaim something. And that, that doesn't seem to make a ton of sense with the rest of the passage. So some are saying, ah, there's, there's an issue here that's going on. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But regardless, the whole point is, is is consistent through the rest of those verses. You are doing things that I've not asked you to do, and you're doing them in the wrong way. So whether that is put a trumpet to your lips and proclaim, proclaim it to the people, yeah, that's one that possibility. Something's happening. The other one is that Yahweh is used here as two different animals, a lion and an eagle, who are mm-hmm. sort of watching and waiting to pounce and to destroy, which fits where the rest of the book is going, yeah. right, and where it's gone so far. So interesting possibility. Again, I'm not, I know Hebrew, but I don't know Hebrew well enough to really be able to dig into this with you. I'm just saying that's one of the things I found in the commentaries as I was digging in. So something to think about. Also doesn't really change the text that much. So verse five, Samaria, throw out your calf idol. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a metal worker, has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces, that calf of Samaria. So I feel like this is the <clears throat> the the most direct that I've heard of someone talking about idols and basically saying like they are nothing. Yes. You know? So yeah, him talking about throwing off the calf the calf idol, like a metal worker made it. Like it's not a god. Like stop that. Like right. it's that's it's almost absurd that you think it would be a god when a human made it. So then how could it be a god? Like it's going to be broken into pieces. It it will not remain. It will not be here forever. Gods are here forever. That would not be right here forever. Right. No, I, I mean. And it's just and it's I feel like it's the most direct that I've seen where they're refuting idols and they're like dude a metal worker made that totally why are you worshiping this thing yeah totally which is why i brought up counterfeit gods i mean this idea that you can chase power and it feels great but it's Mm man-made the only reason why you look powerful is because other people think you are at the end of the day it's nothing money is imaginary you know our little freak out session you know recently in the podcast where we talked our little chat that we have with people uh, I listened to that while I was running, and I was both entertained by us and depressed. <laughs> I, but in the end, like, money is nothing. It's going to disappear someday. It, there's no value to it. And we do this all the time. We chase it for things that have really no value, and God's just going, no, no. I'm the only one that matters. Chase after me. It's more important that you do it this way. And, I mean, just, yeah, the idea of, yeah, that I will be forever. Like, why would you not want it? be on that side of of forever instead of being on the side of yeah temporary and especially if you believe in him mm-hmm. like if you think he's real which the israelites claim to do that 
then why in the world would you sacrifice something else? Why would you do something else? To, like, it just doesn't make any sense. You're being an idiot. That's my translation of the whole passage so far. Uh, That's verse, good Hebrew, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I don't know how you'd say idiot in Hebrew, <laughs> but I, I need to learn that. Uh, verse 7, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will pr- produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like someone, something no one wants. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to lovers. Although they have sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together. They will begin to waste away under the oppression of a mighty king. Like, I mean, just going off of what we already were talking about, about the idol, and just like, they sow the wind. Yeah. Like, it, you can't. You can't totally. do that, you know? Like, they toil for nothing. Right. It is all in vain. They will produce nothing. Like, it's just, like, I just love how it says, Israel is swallowed up, now she is among the nations, like something no one wants. Yep. Like, ouch. Like, nobody even wants you Mm -hmm. because of what you've been doing. And just, yeah, it's, yeah, just really, really sad. In, in which case, it shows you that Israel is so different than the rest of the nations. Israel has the relationship with the one true God. In a way, then everybody desires her because she's so unique. That they should. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I'm saying? And then once they get her, kick her to the curb. I mean, that's really the picture that's being painted here. Well, and I think it's also, yeah, we want things that are unique and different. Like, we're always drawn to those things. Mm-hmm. But when you stop actually being that, yes. then they don't, yeah, like, yeah, because now they have Israel, Right. Israel starts becoming like them, and then they're like, well, this isn't actually unique or different anymore anyway, so right. I don't even want that. Yeah. Right. I, I gave a message to our students years ago in Milwaukee uh, when I was a youth pastor there, and I just said something along the lines of, I've talked to people who have made these weird, weird eyes at me, you know, as we're talking, they're just like, oh, you're so faithful to your wife. That's so great. And it's almost like I'm built up in their mind mm-hmm. because that, and you can feel this weird tension of, with them as if they're trying to get something from you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Read between the lines there. And the fact is if I did what that person's thinking about, yeah, then I'm not who they think I am. Yeah, it's so, this weird like world that we live in where people treat each other like toys or props, you know. And if if I just got that, then everything would be great. But once you get that, the way you got it is actually not the way it was supposed to be done, and then it turns out to be nothing at the end. Mm-hmm. Just sad and sick. But that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a fun thought to think about. Verse eleven. Though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, these had become altars for sinning. I wrote for them the many things of the law, but they regarded them as something foreign. Though they offer sacrifices as gifts to me, and though they eat the meat, the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten their maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns but I will send fire on their cities that will consume their fortresses. I love the kind of, it's not a play on words, but kind of where he's talking about like 
the altars that they used for sin offerings are now used for sinning. Yep. Which is like just like let like think about that for a minute. Like yeah. this altar that you are meant to give something to God to atone for your sin, now you actually use it to do the one thing it's meant to atone for. Right. Like that's crazy. And I, I mean, it's, I love that they put it in there like that too. Not, I don't know, there could have been other words that were used obviously, but because it is, it's like the sin offerings are now used for sinning, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is disgusting and, and weird, but it's just what we do. You know what I'm saying? We we twist it, and we still do it today. Oh God! I, I mean, how many times have churches let people down? They thought it was a safe place to go, and they ended up being totally treated worse by the church than they would have been otherwise. And so, some of the wounds that I've seen people have to work through mm-hmm. are so much deeper because they went to a place that they thought this is going to be a great spot, and it know? should have been, and it should have been, yes, but it wasn't. And so, just imagine being someone who's grown up in Israel here, who you you are learning hopefully the law from someone. And they're teaching you how to do things. And, and you look like, around and you realize, what is going on I'm not here? Doing any of the things that we're supposed to be doing. And you're using the very thing that was supposed to remove our sin from us for sin. What are we doing here? So, does that mean that they're probably giving sacrifices of other, for other things? I think so. Or, yep. Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, because I'm like, what else would they be doing? I mean, it, I guess it is. They could be speaking metaphorically here. The, the problem, too, is this is speaking to Israel, who doesn't have the temple because the temple's in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem that's inside of Judah. Judah yeah. So there's a chance here that we're not really necessarily talking about that. But but the idea is they built altars to God. Jeroboam did way back in the beginning of Israel's history, right? So Rehoboam is the king. He doesn't He's not handling things well. So Jeroboam comes back to town and says, I'll be the king of Israel. You can be the king of Judah. And, they, you know, the they ten split. tribes break away. And in the process of doing that, Jeroboam sets up a— you know, an idol with a temple, like, you know, structure in Bethel, which is just outside of there, and then Dan, which is the northern part. And we talked about this in the beginning of the mm-hmm. book. And so there's these two spots for them to sacrifice to the idols. Uh, and in the beginning, they were to God, and then at some point they weren't. And so now the thing that you thought was actually doing the job, which wasn't even what we were originally supposed to be using in the first place, but now you're using that for sin. Yeah, it's possible that, they're sacrificing other gods on those same altars or doing terrible deeds around the altar. Yeah. Or on the altar. It's just, mm-hmm. it's despicable. Yeah. It's pretty I mean, up. and it kind of shows that they still are doing, I guess like the ritual of things like they are still offering sacrifices. They are still doing some of those mm-hmm. things, but I also wonder maybe if that's the sinning that they're talking about is that, yeah, you're, you're atoning for your sin, but really you're not. You know what I mean? Like right. it's like your heart's not in it. We've talk, talked about this, I think, in the last one with Hosea 7. Like your heart's not in it. Like you're not actually wanting atonement for this right. sin. Right. So then in essence you are sinning while yeah. trying to atone for your sin. Right. That makes sense. No, totally. But it looks like, yeah, they're still doing like the rituals, like, yeah, offering sacrifices. They eat the meat. The Lord is not pleased with them. Like, I mean, we talked about that before. Like, he would rather have obedience over sacrifice. Um, I think it's in Isaiah where Isaiah where he's talking about that they're giving sacrifices, but it's like, but your people are like oppressed and need help, but you are more concerned about this and you're missing, you're missing it or like the fasting that they were doing, and it's like you're you're not 
you're missing the point. It's not just the ritual. It's not just the act. Right. It's right. the motive, the intention, like your heart behind it right. that really actually matters. Right. Because it sounds like they're still in some ways doing some of the things mm-hmm. that make them quote unquote set apart or Jewish or Hebrew. I bet you they would have been Hebrew at that time. But um sure. yeah. But that's not again, like that's not the point. No. The act is not the point. It's it's sad. I mean it's just you clearly are missing the point entirely. And it's something that only you and God can know your actual intent and motivation mm-hmm. and heart, which is something we've brought up a few times in the podcast. And so this idea just keeps recirculating itself in Hosea for us to stop and consider and go, hmm, I don't know what to do with that. But also, that is that like the loving part of our God also is that he will let you go. If that's something you really want, he's going to let you go. Pursue it and do it. And and that's what he's doing with them. He's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm going to let you... I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you do it. This is obviously something that you would prefer to do over following me. So I'm going to re- like release you in a way. And that is also a loving part of of God too. Like he's not he's not going to force you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a choice. It's one of the saddest things you can think about, which leads us perfectly into the deeper dive. I'm trying to like Get my voice raspy before that. Mm. Get <clears throat> all dry and. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if it works, but all right. <laughs> so the deeper dive uh, today, the, the biggest question that I, I want to dig into with folks is who is your greatest enemy? And the when- bears. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't talking to me. No, I'm just kidding. Speaking of which, your boy looked really real Can we good not on even? Sunday. I didn't watch a lot of it because I had things to do, but I was like, wow. The, the NFC North is terrible. Because yeah, actually they all lost they all are, and didn't do great. They're all tied for first. And, Woo-hoo! and last. And last. At the exact same time. <laughs> Anyways. So, no, your greatest enemy. I, I think we do think like that. It's Bears or Bear fans or Packers or Packer fans. You might think that your greatest enemy is the president. I was going to say, it could be political. Or a, or a governor. Mm-hmm. could be your boss. Ooh. could be a friend that has stabbed you in the back, right? You might even think, my greatest enemy is Satan. Mm-hmm. Good for you that you have rocketed <laughs> yourself to the, the, you know, the, the epitome very of holiness. Very churchy of you. Yeah. Well, or that you're so holy that the only enemy that you have in the world is Satan. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, none of his minions can tempt you, but he can. So anyway, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, I, hate, I hate hearing that kind of stuff. And yes, all of that would be true. But the thought I want to just lay in people's mind here, and this is really part of what Jose is getting at, and it, this was an idea that, that popped up in a few of the commentaries. They didn't say it this way, so I'm going to say it this way and sort of make it my own, but I'm really adopting from everyone yeah, else. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, Whatever. don't tell anybody, everybody. Uh, here's the thing. Your greatest potential enemy is God. Hmm. Because I was even thinking it would be myself. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's that, that's... Sure. Yeah, but the human part of me that is what I was originally... Sure. Is the path I was going down, but... Sure. All right, I want to hear this. Why... But, well, I mean, just think about it. it. Yeah. You could hurt yourself. Sure. 
you know what I'm saying? Like people who say my greatest enemy is me, like Andy Minio says that in one of his songs, you know, my greatest enemy is me, you know, uh, you're trying it, to think it, of the other but then he, well, then he says, even I can't stop me. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like this idea of if I'm really chasing That's after true. God, I can try to mess this thing up. But it, but if I really understand the gospel, I can't mess this up. That is it's, true. The only one that I need to be afraid of is God. He, he is my greatest potential enemy. And what's sad about Israel in Hosea is they are not considering the fact that their greatest possible enemy has now been pushed to the point where he has no other options. Yeah, it's not Assyria. It's not because that's what they see. Totally. Is they see all of these earthly totally kingdoms, and they're like, "That's my greatest enemy." So I need to do what I need to do to align myself in a way. Yes. And really, they're yep. about to find out. Yeah, that being removed, like God removing His hand of favor, is way worse. Going to be way worse. Yeah, it's way worse yeah. than even turning to your enemy and asking for help. the The worst thing you can possibly do in this life is turn away from the most powerful being in the universe. Which just makes sense. And so the fact that he is the most powerful being in the universe, he is your greatest possible enemy. Because he can just do... Whatever he wants to do. So much. Which is part of why we use the word fear when we talk about fear of the Lord. It's this idea that if you really understand the glory of who he is and how powerful he is and how amazing he is, he, he is the greatest being He's the being of beings. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of gods. Like he is the Lord of hosts. Like all of these phrases that are used in the Bible of him, he is beyond anything mm-hmm. we can possibly fathom. So he adopts you as his child and pulls you into his family and gives you a set of rules. And within a couple of hundred years, your move is to take those set of rules and defame them so badly eh, that now yeah. you're sinning on the things that were supposed to take away your sin. Back to what we just talked about. And it's so sad to me, but I see it all over the place. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, and I think about it. The way that Republicans treat Democrats or Democrats treat Republicans, and we all act like we are the greatest enemies of each other. Mm-hmm. And we've made this point in the co- podcast a bunch of times. Humans are not your enemy. And even in that sense... Flesh and blood is not. We, we yeah. talk about powers and principalities in the New Testament that are greater than that. And this podcast has talked about that a bunch of times. They are potentially your your greatest enemy as a Christian because God isn't your enemy. But your greatest possible enemy is him. Mm-hmm. And yet, here's what he uses to describe himself in the most quoted passage in all of Scripture. This, this is the most quoted passage within the Scriptures themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, so, that other people have referenced. Right, so Exodus 34, 6 and 7, God <clears throat> says something about himself that then is repeated by almost every prophet, multiple New Testament authors. They just kind of keep recycling this idea. A part of it or most of it or all of it, it is repeated over and over again because they want us to know this is who God is. And so God is, he says this about himself, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That sounds like an awesome God. And he starts with those phrases of himself, mm-hmm. that he gives steadfast love for thousands. There, there is no shortage of individuals that he will give it to. Another way to translate that would be thousands of generations. That there's no shortage of generations that... D- all you do is you turn your face to him and he is there, gracious and merciful and loving and kind and beautiful. The last part of the verse, though, is where people trip up. 
because they get upset about what it says. But it's just the reality of it, and this goes back to he's the greatest possible enemy. But who by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And go to the Bible Project podcast. They did a great podcast on this set. Uh, we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. But the thing with this, this verse, they spent a lot of time digging into it and what the third and fourth generation possibly is, but they never brought up this one possibility. So I want to throw this out. People in the ancient world, especially in Israel at this time, they lived with their families of multiple generations. So you lived in the house with your parents, mm-hmm. your grandparents and great-grandparents potentially. And one of the ways to translate this verse when it says, visits the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Many people talk about generational sin here. That might be that, you know, your dad makes a mistake and it affects a generation, another generation. That that makes sense. The other way to look at it would be that if you know your father is in the middle of sin and you don't call him on it, you know, Aiken's sin. That you're responsible. Aiken's sin impacts multiple generations because the whole household is swallowed up by the earth. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much that Achan's children are suffering because of Achan's sin, but because they saw the stuff that Achan stole. And they did nothing. And they did nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And so our greatest possible enemy is God. He doesn't want us to think of him that way. But it's just the reality of who he is. And at this point in Hosea, they have pushed him to the brink where he's got no other options. And so what God's going to do is he's going to unleash who he is. Mm-hmm. This side of him. The side that everybody doesn't want to think about. And my, my close for the deeper dive here is we don't think about God this way, but we should. And so part of the reason why so many of us are so passionate about elements of our culture turning their face to God, you know, part of the reason why I quote books like Counterfeit Gods or Christian Atheist, I, God is merciful. He has been so gracious to us, and he will continue to be gracious yes. to us. If, if everything is taken away tomorrow, if, the God, it, you know, if God just says, I'm done with earth, and it's all wiped clean, and I'm a part of that flood of, of judgment you know, because my view of the rapture is wrong or whatever, you know, like yeah, right? whatever, whatever happens there, if at the end of the day, I'm wiped off the face of the earth, I will be standing before the God of God's saying, I'm with you and you did what was right. And I, I hate that you had to be put in that position. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he's merciful and he's just, and he's, he's awesome. And, and so we're going to have no problems there, but there are going to be a lot of people that are going to look at him and go, I can't believe you did that. You were the worst. And they're still missing the point of God has such a beautiful intention for his children. He wants them to obey and to do what he's asking them to do, mm-hmm. which is really the point of Hosea 8. Yeah. Yeah, we should have a healthy fear of who God is. Like, he doesn't want us to be afraid, cowering in the corner. No. But we should have a healthy fear of who he is. And what he's capable of. Yeah, and like, I mean, you think of that even just on this planet. There are things that you should have a healthy fear of. You know, poisonous spiders. The Nephilim. Poisonous snakes. <laughs> sure. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But you totally, know, like yeah. just those sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, tarantula, whatever. Right. I mean, skydiving. There should be a little bit of a healthy fear. Like if you walk over those to the Nile River and you see a hippopotamus and you throw a spear at it, you're probably going to get killed. It might be and your end. And you're an idiot. You know? Yeah. So yeah, you should have yeah. a healthy fear. And, and I mean, not to, I mean, I'm trying to make, you know, an analogy here, but they're not quite the same. Sure. That poisonous spider is not the same of what God can do. Right. But you should have a healthy fear of who he is. Yes. In light of the scripture you just said about him being merciful, him forgiving people, him being gracious, you know, 
But there is a flip to that. There is still judgment, and that is gracious and merciful still. You know, like Amen. there there needs to be those things. So really what happened with Israel is, we've talked about this too, if you know who God is, then you're not, then it will change how you live. And obviously yes. they lost sight of who he was. And that could have been a, ger- a generational thing where they just weren't passing down like in Deuteronomy like they're supposed to. Right. Um, but they obviously don't know who he is, like truly. Right. Because if you did... You couldn't be doing those things. Right. No, I'm with you. I would imagine. But I guess also maybe some people do know him and then they end up turning. But then I'm also like, I know I like have this like, this like the. These are the great theological things in your mind where you're you're like, right. But did they actually know him if they were able to turn around? You know, like that there's all that. So. And the writer of Hebrews kind of wanders through that, that emotional roller coaster as well, you know? Who's in and who's out? How do we know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's good to think about, it, but in the middle of that, just remember the point. He is your greatest possible enemy, and let's not make him an enemy. Like he wants I mean, to be great. Th- that's what's great. That's that. He that is the great thing. Friend. He doesn't have to be your enemy. Right. He right? wants to like, be your friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. You remember that song? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I remember that Jesus from high school. No, it was the Jesus, you are my best friend. Oh, that one. That one's you a good one. You will always be. Yeah. That was like one of my favorites. I do remember that one. I like that. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah. All right, let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. And Council Corner with Erica. Is this a twofer? We're just, yeah, we're just <laughs> melding the two together. Um, Look at how awesome this is. Because it is very practical. I mean, it is practical, but it also is... Kind of counseling you to, so to do up. certain things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Come on over by this fire in so, a warm, comfy chair and listen to Erica counsel. <laughs> right? You. So this kind of goes uh, back to the toiling in vain, um, the, you know, the, the sowing after the wind and that sort of thing. If God is not in it, it will not prosper. Right. Now, it may prosper in an earthly sense, but not in a kingdom sense, which is the only sphere that actually matters because it is eternal and and will last. Success on earth is temporary. It will not last beyond earth. It will only be successful or important here. And this kind of reminds me of, of 1 Corinthians 13 where, they, where Paul talks about doing things in love. And if you don't, it's empty. Right. It means nothing. It's kind of reminding me of that. Or even in... 2 Corinthians 14, where he says, like, fixing your eyes on the things that are unseen, because that is eternal and important, whereas things that are seen are temporary. Like, they're going to come and go. That's not where you want to be hitching your horse onto, or so to speak. Right. We get distracted, like, from the eternal because of the temporary. Like, we sacrifice really what matters, that eternal, Mm -hmm. based on what we can get right now. And... We think we really want it. We kind of talked about this, like, with the counterfeit God thing. Like, you think you really want it, but you really don't. Like, it's really not what you actually wanted. And we're actually made for the eternal, which reminds me of Ecclesiastes, where eternity is written on our hearts. Like, that's truly what we want and what we're made for. And if God is in it, then that means eternity is in it. It will have the greater impact because it is working towards God's plan furthering his kingdom, and his kingdom will always prevail. Like, why would you not want to be a part of that? Right. I mean, we kind of talked about that. Like, totally. why would you not want to be a part of 
God knowing everything, like hit yeah, again, hit your hit your ride to that. Because it's gonna prevail. It's gonna it's gonna win. Right. It's gonna succeed. His plan will not fail. And so if you want success, like you gotta get on board with that. I mean, I'm reminded of um Jesus talking about this, like if you're if you're wanting your reward for earth, like you already have it. Yep. So you're not going to get one in heaven because you already have it. But the real good reward is what you would get in heaven mm-hmm. if you're sacrificing your reward for earth. So No, I think that's a That was my phenomenal way to end Hosea 8. It's a good word and it's something for us to think about. I was also thinking about Ecclesiastes as I was reading Hosea 8 and processing all of this and so Great minds. They think alike, as and, they say. And, and all that. But yeah, everybody, this is a tough chapter, but it's a good one. And I think if we just process this information and, and try to live it out, uh, we're probably in a better spot than we are right now. All right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at The Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.